Hello everyone and welcome to She Brigade the Podcast. I'm your host, Belundle Musimere. If you're new here, welcome to the podcast. And if you're a returning brigader, welcome back. She Brigade is a podcast that celebrates and amplifies the stories of incredible and inspiring black female trailblazers. On the show, our guests share their life stories, the highs, the lows, and everything that has brought them to be who they are today. Today's guest is Dr. Katejo Likalakala. Dr. Katlejo is a University of Pretoria MBCHB graduate. She is a self-trained makeup artist and the founder of Beats by Kaz. Having recently become a mom, she decided to start Clueless Moms, a platform for moms to come together, share knowledge and experiences, and gain knowledge from experts as they enter postpartum. In today's episode, Dr. Katlejo shares about her journey growing up and all the challenges she faced, including a dive into experiences with colorism. She also takes us through why she decided to become a professional makeup artist while studying to become a doctor and the need for a platform like Clueless Moms. Remember, we love to hear from you, so please engage with us on our social media at SheBrigade on all social media platforms or email us your feedback at info at SheBrigade.com. And please, don't forget to rate and review us on your podcast platform. So, let's dive in. Hey, Kaz, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Bilo. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you on. And guys, I've known Kaz since Varsity. Yes. I have, I was, I tried, I was trying to remember how we met. I have no idea. I just feel like we've just always been in and around the same people, same spaces. I've also been trying to figure it out. But you know what I think it is? <laughs> You're right. I think it's because we've always been around the same types of people. Yes. Um, because, I mean, with tax, we... Yeah, it's a big university, but for some odd reason, people who are like-minded do find their way to each yes. other, even if they're like in different years, you know? Exactly. Um, because, yeah. We were, we were in different years and we didn't even study the same thing. Yeah, completely. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even at, at, at main campus. Oh my God. Yes, I was at Mamelodi campus first, in my first year. Um, I used to stay at... Um, in Hatfield at some point and maybe that's why I was frequenting main mm. campus and also my friends were at main campus yes. I think that's how we saw each other but I also know your fiance yes. so I think from yeah I think that's actually how I know that's, you that yes. might be how yes <laughs> I think that's how I know you because I mean your fiance and his friends they were quite popular they were always around so yeah, we all chilled with all of them those guys. Yeah, <laughs> those guys <laughs> but good guys <laughs> no I'm very one of them <laughs> Okay, but yeah, no, thank you so much for, the, for coming on to the podcast. I'm excited to hear all about you and all about your story. Because I, re- I was also thinking about how, like, like, I know you, but I don't know, I don't know, I don't know you like that. So I'm so curious to True. know, um, like, your story and everything that has literally brought you here today. So I want you to take us all the way back to younger cares. Like, what was it like growing up for you? What kind of a child were you? Um, <laughs> your childhood, your primary school life, your high school life, all of it. Okay, cool. So, um, I was raised for like eight years in Soshanguve in Pretoria. Um, by then, m- both my parents were still married. Um, I was quite a, uh, um, I was a loner in a way. Mm. Um, I think because um, where I stayed, I was the only child who had access to the things that I had access to mm. which isolated me in, in some ways you know um, in other ways it made me more attractive to the kids because I mean it was a thing of like they would want me to teach them English and so forth and yeah. you know how they always say um, I don't know if you've ever been in the hood but people say uh, big house Yes, yes, yeah. no, yeah. So our house was what was called in the, in big, the big house, house yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, my parents were quite successful then and um, they were coming up in life and they were doing so much. And I was very spoiled because mm. I was the last born. So I'm, I'm one of two. One. Yeah, so I'm one of two. I have an older sister who's eight years older than me. So we we obviously weren't spending time with each mm. other then because I'm an eight-year-old, she's a 16-year-old. Two different lives, you know. Yeah. And she was doing her own thing. Um, and yeah, so I was quite a loner and my parents spoiled me too much to, to a degree that I think it was a little bit off putting for other people, you know? Mm. Um, cause when they look at their lives, you know, maybe they had like a few toys and then I had like a shed of like toys, you know? Oh, wow, yeah. And sometimes they'd come through and they'd play and all that stuff. But my mom didn't like, uh, my mom didn't like very loud and naughty children. 
So I think, yeah, so that kind of thing, yeah, isolated me a bit. So mm. I spent a lot of time watching TV. And this is a big part of why I am who I am. Okay. You know? Um, number one, it made me want to become an actress, but we'll, we'll touch on that later on. Um, not an actress, by the way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I spent a lot of time on my own watching TV. And then the divorce happened. But we also had a lot of traumatic things that happened in the year 2002. So that's when I was eight. Um, we had two break-ins, armed robbery mm. break-ins. Yeah. So the first one, the first one was just uh, my mom and I and my sister. So after my father left for work, um, they put a gun underneath the um, the garage just so that they could, you know, they could stop the garage from door closing. From closing. Yes, yeah. then it opens up, right? But my father had already gone. You know, he had driven out because he used to leave very early because he was working in Joburg. Yeah. So okay. you can imagine Sochanguva to Joburg, yeah, is a, yeah. you know. So he used to leave at least at five o'clock in the morning. We also used to leave early because obviously Maubani Highway going to. Um, going into the town because my mom works in Hatfield and I was going to school at Larissa School, Queenswood, right? So he leaves for work early in the morning. We are getting ready. So when he leaves for work, we start getting ready, right? Because mm. um, we leave a, an hour and 30 minutes after him. How I'm getting ready. I'm in my bedroom. Master's in the kitchen. So my bedroom was the closest to the kitchen. It's just a little passageway. And then you turn right and then you in the kitchen. Okay. And the kitchen was connected to the front door. That's how you entered the house. And the front door was then connected to the garage. But our garage was a little bit different. So our house was almost built on a hill, but we were down the hill. Okay. okay. So the house was at the bottom of the hill and then the garage or the driveway was at the top of the hill so the garage was okay. not connected to the house so when you when you got into the garage you'd go downstairs and then you'd go into mm, the kitchen okay. if that makes sense yeah okay cool um so my sister screams right so I'm like, ah, this one, I, what about that drama? <laughs> you know, I always said that about my sister. Like, I thought she was a little bit dramatic, which is funny because I'm the dramatic one. <laughs> so I, I even ignore her. But then something makes me go to the kitchen because in the mornings, my sister used to make me breakfast. Okay, that was her task. So I go to the kitchen and as I'm about to go into the kitchen, so I'm walking towards the kitchen. As I'm about to go to the kitchen, I'm turning. Then I see these men. Two men, I'll never forget them. And they've they've got her. So then I run immediately. So I run, go into my bedroom, and then I go into my cupboard and I and I hide. And I remember thinking, this, this is funny now, but I remember thinking that if someone finds if they find me right now, that'll be the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And mm. then they found me, you know. They found me, took me out of the room. I mean, took me out of the cupboard. And then they put, they placed me and my sister on my bed. So I had twin beds and they did everything in my room. So I feel like they messed up my room, you know, the energy in my room. Mm. And my mom was on the floor. She was screaming because mm. they had a gun to her head because they want all these things. They want the cards. They want the car keys. They want the pins and whatever. Um, and then they put my mom on the one bed and they put my sister and I on my other bed. And they forced us to sleep. And they said, if you don't sleep, we'll kill your mom, you know? So we went to sleep and I still don't understand how we slept, but I think for us, our fear made us, um, obviously literally sleep. Yeah. You literally sleep. Slept. Yeah. Well, more like more than sleep. We wanted to obey them Yeah, because we wanted to keep our mom alive, you know? So everything happens. I think it took quite some time because my mom woke us up and it almost felt like we were dreaming. But then when you walked out, you could see the amount of havoc they had caused in the house and you know no matter what happens even if someone comes into your house and just steals a teaspoon you will always feel that shift in mm. energy and that shift in energy was there you know and i remember um we walked out the house now all the neighbors are at the house because it's like such a big deal so crazy and i remember just my mom asked us to get something for her in the house and my sister and I broke down in tears because we were oh, so traumatized yeah. by the whole deal. Okay, so that happens. And that happens on like a Monday. I'm a kid. I even get excited now because I didn't have to go to school. <laughs> and because I've gone through such a trauma, I can ask my mom to wear my favorite outfit, right? She puts me in my favorite outfit. I go out and I go play with the kids. 
kids. So that day I go out and play with the kids. Then what happens is, um, this is a Monday. The Tuesday, it happens again. But this happens in the evening. Yeah, it happens again. But they keep my mom and my sister in the garage. As I told you, the garage is disconnected from the house. Mm. But my, my father used to always read to me at night. Really, that was like a very important thing for him to do. He always used to read to me at night and he taught me chess. So we'd play chess at night and then we'd read. Okay. So as we're reading, I'm sitting on his lap. We're enjoying each other. You know, he's, he's teaching me stuff. Um, that was his vibe, which I really like. I feel like he actually made the doctor in me. But yeah, we'll go, we'll go into that. And then um, we hear screams. And then immediately we like freeze. Because we can't imagine that this is happening again. Again? No, it can't be. Like now. Was it the same people? Yes, it was <gasps> the same people. So my mom's car got... Um, my mom was able to... They were able to block her cards quite quickly. Before they could do much damage, mm. right? And she got her car very quickly before they could strip it down they were trying to start they had started to try strip it down but yeah whatever but we also found out that actually it was kids like that were living on the same street as us they were they were masked but yeah mm. so they had my mom and my sister in the garage because they had gone out to go buy bread and then they came back and then we heard the screams whatever so they kept them hostage and then we rang the alarm and then they ran away. So they didn't do much damage. They didn't do anything, mm. actually. I think they got like 100 rand from my mom. But it was still very traumatizing. It was so traumatizing for us that that's when we left immediately, right? And my mom and my father already were having marital problems at that time. But that trauma and the, the reason why I speak about it is because it created the change that needed to happen. I feel that my parents my mom was hesitant to make. Um, so firstly, it drove us out of Sushangove. We moved like immediately, mm. like we moved like in, within a week, we're out, you know, mm. we moved to my grand's place. And then, um, then we moved to, um, our first, um, little apartment and our first home as just the three of us. Cause mm. then my mom then decided that she's going to divorce my father. So yeah, that was my early childhood. Mm. And that's, most of what I remember and it was pretty, it was okay. Like going from there, the divorce didn't hurt me as much It because my parents used to fight quite a lot, mm. you know? So it was like, okay, I'm going from a place of turmoil to a place of like somewhat of peace. Mm. And my mom was an angry person because of what she was going through. And she was angry towards us. And as a person, I'm a, quite an emotional person. Um, I'm very sensitive. I need I need love. Like I, I need, I need reassurance. Mm. You know, I need you to be very sensitive to me. You know, I, 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 and I know it's weird because if my boyfriend was listening to this, he'd be like, Oh my God, Kaz is so cold. You know, like I don't hug everyone, yeah. you know, but I still need it. I yes. need, I need that reassurance. And by then I was really needing it. Cause I mean, I was eight years old and mom was very cold. My mom was cold. Like, Cold as ice. When I when I compare her to the person that I'm with now, this amazing mother that I have now, although she was still amazing then, but unfortunately because she was going through so much pain, mm. she couldn't show us her warmth, you know? Mm. So yeah, it was a nice big change. And then it was just the three of us. And yeah, we took life on as the three of us and it was fun. Um, but what I didn't realize is that what my mom did is she created a crutch for herself. So I think because she was still dealing with what was happening to her, because, you know, it happened to her more than mm. anything. It was happening to her. She then developed an addiction to shopping. And that's what we do, like, all the time. We would just shop and shop. Literally, every Friday, we were shopping. Like, shopping till, like, nightfall, you know, until the shops closed. Like, she was just obsessed with that. Like, mm. obsessed with, like, spending money or whatever. And then we hit a point where then we were in debt. And then we had to move around. So that, that stuff I didn't really like. Um, and it's actually informed my decisions right now with how I spend money. Mm. I do spend money a lot. Uh, and I do spend it quite carelessly. But I'm still very responsible. Mm. So 
I always make sure that I'll never land up in debt. I mean, I can't say never, but yeah, you like, you you're just yeah. more conscious about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty much my childhood. Mm. You know, going from a, a family of four to growing a, to a family of three, but the family of three was the most dominant part of my life because I mean, I was from when I was eight to when I moved out the house, yeah. which was when I was nineteen, um, and for me. Um, their divorce was the best thing that's happened in our family. My parents are the best of friends. We have a family group where it's just the four of us in the group. We're so close. Oh, wow. We go away as a family, the four oh, of us. Oh, wow. Yeah, we, we're very close. We're yeah. very, very close. Uh, that showed me that, you know, sometimes you need to make decisions that are difficult for you to have a healthy relationship with someone, you know. Um, as much as I know people like to be in what they call nuclear family or, mm. um, you know, all of the that. Traditional the traditional family that we, yeah. didn't work for us. And I'm so glad now it didn't work for us because what we have now for me is so great. You know, I love exposing my child to it. My sister has two children. They are happy. They're exposed to this. You know, we're happy. Mm. And we're happy. Mm. Like, we're really happy. I mean, obviously, some, from time to time. Because, I mean, it's my mom's journey more than anything. She sometimes feels like, you know, she shouldn't have gotten divorced or whatever because she wanted, you know, the traditional family. But for me, I keep telling her that, you know, when she was in that relationship, she didn't realize that she was actually affecting my self-image. Mm. So because my mom was insecure because of what was happening between her and my father, infidelity and all that stuff, she was obviously comparing herself to the woman that my mm. father, uh, you know, was with and all of that stuff. And it affected her self-image. But I looked like my mom. So whenever she said anything bad about herself, you t- she, didn't, she didn't realize it was affecting me, yeah. you know. Um, especially, like, with skin tone. Like, she has, like, a, a whole thing of, like, dark skin. It, uh, oh, my gosh. It's like a thing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah yeah oh wow thank yeah. you for sharing that sure yeah that was weird i don't know i hope it makes sense it does make <laughs> sense thank you for sharing that because it's those moments that really like shape us into who we are as adults it does and who we maybe become as parents and who we maybe become as partners what True. just how we exist in various relationships um it's those moments so thank you for sharing that like i'm sure a lot of yeah. people can relate to like lots of parts of your story yeah so like for me a big thing of with that as you say i I like how you say that it molds you into who you are Mm. you know um and it also informs your decisions with your parents because like now i'm just a new i'm a new parent you know Mm. um there's certain things that i'm still struggling with Mm. you know um as i speak about my self-image i struggled a lot especially in yeah later part of 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 um primary school into my high school i really struggled a lot with my skin tone because it was always brought up like you know you you're so dark or you know hey you know for mm. people don't don't know what i'm talking about is the bottom of a pot you know it's very dark you know and i remember this one time oh my god it's still depressing me till this day i remember this one time I like this boy, right? You know how it is. Okay. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. so I don't know if you guys had this, but in primary, you know, um, other schools would come in and play sports against your school. Yeah. They'd have a, ho- a home and away game. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, so, like, yeah. so we had a cricket team, a really good cricket team at our school. And a cricket team from CBC then came um, to our school, right? And I remember I saw this boy. I liked him so much. Okay. So the girl, there was a girl I used to be friends with. She was a year older than me. And she had moved to CBC um, because I think um, her family had moved there, whatever. Mm. So she had access to him. I remember texting her and like, hey, I really like this guy. Whatever. Can you please give me his number? and Whatever. And then we started chatting and all that stuff. And then um, it was, I mean, it was before... It was before really like like serious phones, you know. You couldn't really <laughs> yeah. you could send a picture, but you're sending a picture as an MMS, 
Ja, oh mein Gott, MMS. Ja, MMS, Multimedia Message. Ich vergesse, was MMS ist. Oh mein Gott, MMS. Ja, MMS. You know, so it was during those times. So nobody had a profile picture. We used to send each other yes. messages, yes. SMS, you yeah. know, and used to call. It was quite a nice time, actually. Um, oh, and I remember I was so besotted over this boy. So um, after like a long period of us talking, we're like, you know, we need to meet now. You know, we mm. need to... We need to spend time. T- He'd seen me, but it was very brief. But like now it's like we need to connect as people in person. Yeah. You know, um, we were like infatuated with each other. And um, they were having an open day at his school. And I told my mom and my mom got my, took me to the salon and we got my hair done. Um, at that time, we realized that my hair could be blow waved. Yo, so it looked very cool. It was moving in the wind, you know. <laughs> I was very excited. The right thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I remember... Um, at that time, I used to like little skirts and a shirt. Oh my gosh. I, like now I can't wear a little skirt. But I used to wear these little skirts and pumps. And we got a nice little, <laughs> a nice little skirt and a pump, you know. Um, and my friends went there with me um, as moral support, right? And I remember walking in. And I won't forget this. Walked into the school, right? And there was the grounds. Okay, so where he was. Um, but he wasn't there yet. But that's where we were going to meet. But his friends were there. So when we got there, I just remember them burst out laughing. Like they're laughing, you know? Mm. So at first I'm not like, I'm not, I didn't, it didn't click that they're laughing at me, you know? Mm. And they're laughing and obviously they're throwing out xenophobic remarks. And I'm sorry to say this. Um, I hope nobody gets offended by this, but there were children who were stupid, honestly. Mm. And they were just like, ah, Zimbabwe, yo, she's so ugly, yo, dark skinned, you know? Mm. All this stuff. And I literally like went into a shell. I like, I wanted to die, but I didn't want to cry because I didn't want to give them that satisfaction. Mm, mm. But also at that same time, I felt so embarrassed for myself, but I felt more embarrassed for him. Like shucks, I'm humiliating him. You know, um, this is someone that he has asked to come here and now they're going to laugh at him because of how I look, you know, all that stuff. Um, and then I remember getting on the phone, like rushing to get on the phone to call my mom to come fetch me like immediately. Oh, you know, yeah. I just wanted to get out of that whole situation. Like that situation was so bad for me that anybody that would tell me that they're going to CBC was triggering me, you know? Mm. So when, when even the, um, cause it was grade seven. So when those grade sevens from my year went to CBC, I wouldn't talk to them. And because I didn't want them to know that that happened to me. Mm. I acted like it didn't happen, you know? And, I remember the one time this one boy um, went to CBC and then he found out and he ridiculed me about it again. So it was just like uh, this whole thing of like living in this thing of like being dark skinned and struggling with it. And also your mother being dark skinned and struggling with it. Mm. And because she's struggling with it, she makes you struggle with it, you know? Mm. Um, And now I have my daughter, right? And my daughter is light skinned. I mean, she's, she's pretty fair skinned and... I remember just looking at her and thinking, shucks, you know what? I really want to be, I want to be better. And I want to say to you that, you know what? You should be whoever you want to be and no beauty standards should um, define, define you, you, yes. you know? Um, but at the same time, I know the society we live in. So it, it makes me sad that sometimes I, f- I feel scared that she's going to become as dark as me. You know, obviously I know if she comes yeah, as dark no, as me, I'm going sense. to affirm her. But because of the things that I went through <clears> and <throat> the struggles that I had with, with my self image in that, even with the boyfriends that I would take and, and the things that I would accept, I would think that, okay, I'm not worthy of love. So whatever I'm accepting is what I'm worthy of, mm. you know, like meeting Tumela for me is like a big deal. And that's why I do celebrate my relationship with him because he has shown me that I'm worthy of love, you know, mm. not that he's, he's necessary to do that, but he has shown mm. me that I'm worthy of love. What would you say to like a young girl that's listening in today and going through something similar? I mean, we had that girl who committed suicide, right? Cause mm. she was dark skin. Yeah. Remember? Um, from Venda. Mm. It's Lufuno, ne? I forgot her name. But... Lufuno. I think it was Lufuno. Yeah. I think it was Lufuno. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm wrong. So it's a, it's a difficult thing to explain, you know, I mean, it's a difficult thing to address. I can tell you, you know, I don't care about anyone else. 
you know, um, you matter and all that stuff. But, it's but more I don't want to. I don't want to speak to her mm. because she's not the one with the problem. You know. Oh yeah. She's not the one. She's with not the doing anything wrong. She's not doing anything wrong. The problem are, is everyone around her mm. who's telling her stay out the sun, who's reminding her you're so dark and making her feel like she's at fault for being dark. Yeah. Making her feel like it's ugly. And the, the other thing is the other side to this is that if you are very dark skinned, then you get fetishized, you know, it's mm. never, there's never a real, a nice balance. Like we can't just live in society and just be us, yeah. you know, um, it's, it's either like, Oh, you're a dark beauty. Oh, I freaking hate that. Like if you ever say that to me, I get like, I cringe. Like, why can't I just be beautiful? Yeah. Why can't I just be beautiful? If you think I'm beautiful, say I'm beautiful. If you don't think I'm beautiful, just say that, you know? Doesn't ha- doesn't have to do anything with being dark, mm. you know, or light. Um, so I wouldn't say anything to her because whatever I say to her, it will always be affected by what other people say to her, mm. you know, um, the people that she's actually influenced by. Mm. Um, but I want to speak to parents and I also want to speak to myself through this, that, you know, I... You need to affirm your child and you need to remind them of their beauty. And you also need to remind them that their beauty is not, is not attached to their physical appearance because that can go, mm-hmm. you know, my child could be, um, what society deems as the most beautiful, um, image, you know, but she could get in a car accident and lose that. Mm. I don't want her to then feel like her life has no now, worth. Now, I've, 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 now I'm not beautiful. Now I'm not worthy. I'm not a person. Yeah. I'm not worthy of anything, of living, mm. or, you know? So, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a tough conversation. It's, it it's really is. tough. And I think I'm still trying to get through it. I'm mm. still trying to get over it. But one thing I've realized with myself is that now I kick back. So when my mom says something or when anyone says some, anything colorist to me, I kick back immediately mm. so i don't i don't just accept it now you don't take it i in. don't like i don't just keep quiet and just be like oh okay no this is this person's view i'm like no this person's view is actually malignant it's not benign it's going to affect someone and it's going to affect them for a very long time because it's affected me for mm. a very long time you know it still affects me till now i mean i can act as confident as i want to act i still struggle mm. with how i look at myself i don't know how many times i look in the mirror just looking for a speck of lightness Mm. just a speck of like oh maybe oh yeah oh my wrists are light okay that's fine you know and it's it sounds crazy but it really is what what happens to you Mm. you know after such a long time of being told that you're not worthy Mm. because Mm. you of the way you look yeah well i thank you so much for even framing it that way because i love that you're saying we don't need to talk to her let's talk to everyone else around her yeah everyone else that comes into contact because we like even me, I'm going to come into contact with someone. I need to be conscious of my words. Exactly. I need to be aware of what I'm saying and how I can impact someone else. Exactly. Yeah. Like, um, and like, even like with, with things that I hear, like with patients, obviously with patients, I need to also be very, very um, sensitive. Right. Yes. Um, I can't remember as a, as a doctor, my, my experiences, my life, challenges my opinions my beliefs come last okay yes yeah. um the care of the patient comes first yeah um but it's sometimes difficult when you listen to a patient and they're very colorist i mean i remember meeting this patient um helped to give birth and all that stuff and then i was checking her the next day okay so i was just checking if she had her stitches if, if everything was fine basically mm. um she was ready for discharge and she had this beautiful baby um next to her and yeah, I was congratulating her. I was just, as I was about to walk out, she's like to me, doctor. I'm like, yeah. And I'm thinking that she has like this big concern, you know, I'm like, why? what's wrong? What's wrong? She's like, no, I'm just wondering, do you think my child will go dark? So I'm like, mm, I don't know. Why, why would you ask that? Yeah. I, don't, I, I didn't get it. I didn't get where it came from because she was very fair skinned, you know? Mm. So then she was like, no, cause her father, her father's dark. I'm like, so why would you, if you, if you don't want your child to be dark, why would you be with a dark person? Mm. And that's also something else that people don't realize. Okay. So this thing of, 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 um, romanticizing dark skin men. Yeah. is also a form of colorism. Yeah. And dark skin women also do this. 
where they're like, oh no, if he's dark, he's a man. Yeah. Like, mm. babes, that's the same, that's the same ideology that is used against you. Yeah. You know? Mm. Um, when you bring someone else down, because in that sense, they bring down fair-skinned men, right? Mm. When you bring someone else down, that, they, you're also being brought down, you know? Mm. Like, it, 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 it makes no sense to me. So I was like, why would you sleep with a, a dark man if you're worried that your child's going to be dark? Like, it just didn't mm. make sense to me. She's like, no, but she's a girl. She has to be light. And I'm this dark-skinned girl in front of her. She, she saw no problem with saying that. Like, nothing at all. She didn't flinch. It's been so accepted in our society to speak to people this way and to speak of dark-skinned people this way, and especially dark-skinned women. But we feel like we are literally at the bottom of of the food chain. Like mm. we literally feel the bottom of the bottom. Where you feel like your presence sometimes cheapens someone's experience. You know. Mm. So yeah, I mean things like that. We we need to start even addressing those things. I mean obviously with that I couldn't have kicked back. I literally yeah. just answered her and I just walked away. Um, and it's just come. But I am having the conversation with a lot of people. Just to tell them, like, you know, because someone said to me the other day, she's like, yo, your child looks Indian. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, it's fair, fine, cool, that's fine. She's like, yeah, yo, yeah, but she's lucky then. She, she's going to be beautiful. But I'm like, but you know, that tells her that anyone that's not Indian is ugly. Mm. My child is not beautiful because she looks Indian. My child's beautiful because she is who she is, you know? Mm. Like, yeah i don't know it's a tough conversation it is a tough conversation but i think what's important is that we're having the conversation true and like i'll like i'll be honest the podcast doesn't usually go this way but i'm glad we spoke about this i'm so happy that we spoke about this and i'm glad we addressed it because i do feel like you know with with the podcast i hope to reach lots of young girls especially Mm, mm. and there's young girls that are either a perpetuating this or going through this true so both, everybody needs to hear this kind of conversation. I need to hear this conversation. We all need to talk about it a lot more. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm also glad we, sh- we spoke about it. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we obviously didn't plan this. Yes. So it was meant to be. It, it was it meant had, to be. It had to happen. It had to happen. It had to happen. I think it, it has been a conversation in my heart for quite some time. Mm. Especially now as a parent, when I look at certain things, when I have to... Um, really be 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 strict with myself and like you can't have beauty stands for your child i don't know how many times i have to tell myself that to a point where i even write on instagram because i need to remind myself that you cannot do that because this is something that affected you in your life it Mm. affected a lot of decisions that you've made you know people think it's just it's just an appearance thing it's not it really affects a lot of things it affects how you behave at work it affects how you behave in your friendships. It affects how you behave in your relationships mostly. And now it's going to affect my parenting. Mm. So it's, 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 it's quite a, it's a, quite a big topic. It's not just like a corner of your life. No, it's, it's, it's a huge part of my mm. life. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it seems shallow. Like, oh, your appearance is a big part of your life. But I mean, mm. how I'm treated because I'm dark skinned is, has affected my yeah. life. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, um, wow, thanks again <laughs> for sharing that. Pleasure. Um, tell me about um, how you got into, why you decided to study medicine. Why, yeah, how did you get into the medicine field? Where did that come from? Okay, so medicine. Um, so I was really passionate about brains at some point of my life. Don't know why. Don't ask me. Um, it's, a, it's a big thing. Like I was obsessed with brain tumors. Okay, I do know why. It's just a long story. I'm not going to go into it. But someone I know passed away from a brain tumor. And then um, I felt like a hero. And I was like, you know what? I want to go out there in the world. And I want to bring awareness to um, brain tumors. Because this child was fine and healthy. And one day he didn't come to school. And the next day he was dead. You know, it was, a, it was mm-hmm. like quite a shock to yeah. everyone. Including his parents and whatever. And then when they did an autopsy, they found that he actually had a brain tumor. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he died of increased um, um, cranial pressure, which is the pressure in the, in the, in the, in the brain. <clears throat> so that was what kind of informed my decision of going into medicine. 
um, and more specifically neurosurgery or neurology, mm. right? So I then started researching a lot about brains and yeah, I'd even wrote a whole speech. I remember my first speech in girls high in an English class was on brains. And I remember <laughs> I got all my information. It was during the printing stage. Okay. It was not during this time of emailing yourself the, yeah. the journal article. It was the time when you'd print it out. And I remember I put it in a folder and I wrote there confidential. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I didn't know what was confidential about it. But I think what I was saying is that this is so important. To yes. Me, you know, um, so yeah, from there I met also a girl in my class. Her father is a brilliant urologist in the in the country. Brilliant. He was involved in the separation of the Siamese twins, mm. and I was obsessed. I wrote him a letter. I actually still have that letter. I wrote him a letter saying to him that I'm inspired by him, and I want to become a neurologist just like him. Uh huh. You know? Um, what should I do? What type of person should I be? And all that stuff. He never um, sent back a letter, but it's not because he didn't want to write back. He did write back, but it got lost in all his stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. He's a doctor. He's a doctor. Doctors are amazing like Libby that. Libby Yeah. Libby <laughs> um, so, yeah. Then from there, I, I, I chose all the subjects that were necessary for me to get into medicine. But funny enough... Uh, my high school career from that point, I think it's grade 10, right? Mm. Where you choose a subject. From that point changed. So my trajectory changed. I then was more attracted to the creative side of myself. Mm. So I was more attracted to doing the makeup and then also acting and writing plays. And I wrote two plays that did very well. I actually even got a scholarship to go to an acting school. Um... Um, there was this amazing um, stage theater actor, uh, Matthew Rubnick. I'll never forget him. He wrote a whole speech speaking about me. It was so insane. And this is where I thought I should be, you know. Mm. And at that time, I was doing very poorly in physics. No one tells you this. And by the way, if a great tennis listening to this, you'll struggle with physics. It's it's difficult for your mind to wrap around I it. I struggled with physics. Yeah, everyone struggles with physics. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's yeah, all yeah. I remember. You can be brilliant. You can be an A student, but you will not get an A in physics for a very long time, but you'll get in a trick. You know, it's a, it's a different concept to actually understand and yeah. accept, you know? So I struggled with physics and I was like, oh man, I'm not meant to be a doctor, you know? So I completely um, tried to fight it. And oh, it was a constant battle in the household. I'm like, yes, I want to be an actor, mom. That's what I want to be, you know? And she was not happy about that. I don't know how many times I tried to leave physics for history. And she said, no, I thank her now. So um, by the end of high school, I thought I was going to be an actress or a playwright, right? Yeah. That's where I thought I was going. No. Mm -mm. And that's what I was accepted for. Um, but in the beginning of the year that I'm supposed to start university, my mom just sat me down. She's like, we got your marks. You did really well. You did well in maths. You did maths paper three. You did well. You did well in biology. You did well in physics. Are you really going to like throw away all this hard work? Do something in the science field. Give me three years. She's like, give me a degree. Mm. Then from there, do your own thing. And I understand now, being a parent, I understand what she was, where she was coming from, you know. Um, our parents, it's not that they really want to control us. They're controlling their own anxieties yes, and their own yes. fears. And unfortunately, it's through us that they have to control that, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, they don't have much control. They cannot, they, there's a lot of external factors that they cannot be in control of. But if they can influence us, to be in a certain path that for them says, okay, my child will be secure. And we'll safe. be able to feed herself. Mm. We'll be able to clothe herself. We'll be able to house herself. If I die right now, I can believe and I can trust that my child will be fine. Mm. And I can understand that now. I really can understand that now. So I did play into that. I, 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 I decided, you know what? This fight is not worth having. <laughs> Let me do what my mom wants me to do. And I love pleasing my mom. I really like it. I, to some other people, they don't understand that. But I love it. Mm. Because my mom is passionate about me, I'm passionate about making her happy. Yeah. You know, Because yeah. she's very passionate about making me happy. So, 
yeah, then that's how I got into medicine from that point. But I got in through a four-year program. Mm -hmm. So I did science-related thing that she wanted. And then they, the um, faculty of health sciences came to our campus in Mamilodi. Because um, that's where they do the four-year um, thing. And they were like, um, we're looking for people who, are, who want to apply for medicine. We'll only be taking 20 of you. And we were like, I think over 200 that applied. So I didn't really think I was going to get in. And then I got in. Yeah. And then that's how I got my golden key. So that's the year that I got my golden key. And then I got into medicine. And it's been the best decision. It makes sense in my life. It makes mm. sense with who I am. Mm. And luckily, I get this creative release through the makeup. Yes. So I'm not completely lost, you know. I'm yeah. not completely lost in a world where I feel like I can't be creative anymore. Mm. So yeah, that's how it happened. When did you start the makeup and where... I know I said this to you earlier, but like, where do you find the time? <laughs> so you make time, hey? So um, I started makeup already in primary. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to like playing make makeup in yeah. primary. So my mom loved that about me. So she... She pushed me to do it. She'd buy me makeup. If mm. I said, I need this, this. I had a full case of makeup no. by when I was 16. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, my mom pushed. My mom pushed. <laughs> I had a, even those trolley bags. I had everything. I had everything. People would be jealous of me. I had makeup. <laughs> I had makeup. Mom loved that about yeah. me. You know, she really loved that about me. And um, obviously in high school, that's when I started dabbling in putting on makeup on other people because that's another skill you know yes putting on yourself as a skill on its own but putting on other people on other people and learning people's faces and all that stuff that's that that's still that's still something i'm learning mm. even now you know um so in high school we did fashion shows i did makeup and then um a few people trusted me to do a wedding which i'm shocked about and matric dancers and okay I used to pay 200 rand and i used to like it but then what brought me back into makeup to such a point where now I'm beat by Kaz. And uh, you like doing was... covers. <laughs> like you're just doing the most of your makeup. Like, <laughs> you think you did it full time. Like I can't believe it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that was in uh, 2016 when um, my father, who was um, involved mostly with my schooling, my education, all that stuff, when he hit a financial war, um, and we were struggling then financially because um, my mom was doing everything else, you know, it was, it was just too much for her. Um, I decided to decrease the load by working. And by then I was working in a bar, bartending. I don't know if you remember, um, you know, News Cafe closed down mm -hmm. and it opened up again. Oh, okay. I remember it opened up again by the plaza. Yeah, by plaza. Because it used to be in the square. It used to be in the square. Yes, closed down. And now it's in the plaza. Okay. So when it opened up, they needed bartenders. Ah. So then I went there. Oh, yes. Actually, yeah, I do remember mm, that. Yes, mm, yes, mm. yes, yes, yes. So I went there. So when it opened, I started there. Um, and I was a bartender and I would make quite a bit of money for me then. Oh, it was nice. <laughs> but it didn't. It wasn't conducive with my studying. It wasn't conducive with my lifestyle. Because it meant that every Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it was being lost. My, Saturday, my, my whole weekend would be lost to me working as a bartender and i mean we'd finish very late and i was tired all the time mm. so i had to study during the week which is not is not ideal um but it was fine but then and also was not safe it's not safe yeah. for a girl you know um and i remember there was a guy that followed me to the toilet he became like very obsessive and he followed me to the toilet and then for my mom, that was like the breaking point. She was like, no, I can't let you do this. It's like, I understand why you feel like you need to do this for your own independence. Um, but I can't let you do this. Right. Um, and this is where the being in isolation then comes in. So the fact that I was always in isolation as a child, you know, I explained that in the beginning, um, made me very independent. Mm. So I've always pushed for independence. Mm. So, I, I pushed back, you know, even when she was like, you need to stop this bartending. I'm like, there's no way I'm not going to have control over the fact that I don't have money anymore, mm. you know? So then, um, so then I decided, okay, actually, you know what? I'm good at makeup. Let me try it again. And I'll never forget. Um, uh, there's a wonderful lady. Her name is Zamasa. She gave me an opportunity. She let me do her wedding. Zamasa. Uh, yeah. My favorite person. Corporate campus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Canvas. Yes. Corporate canvas. So she let, she allowed me to do her wedding. Day and it was amazing and 
I'm posting her pictures got me a lot of traction and people were like you know Twitter was then was very nice was very very kind mm. and I still think of myself as one of the first makeup artists on the Twitter platform that would push makeup there because yeah. a lot of our big makeup artists were mostly on Instagram mm. you know yeah so then we'd push makeup on on Twitter and the way people responded to me then showed me that okay no I have a I have a skill that people are interested in and yeah that's how it happened and now how I make time for it is because I need to make time for it. I need it for my sanity. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. And tell me, how has it been? Actually, wait, let's talk about your other platform that you're also running now. Oh, Clueless Moms. Clueless Moms, yes. So obviously that, I assume, that came up as when you became a mother and you decided, you know, yeah. this information that I, I would have wanted to know. Maybe things that you want to know now as well. Exactly. Currently. Yeah. And you just wanted to create that community. Like, what, what, what else was that compelling thing that you felt like, okay, let me do this and let me even formalize it and just give this information out so freely. You're so generous with the information. You have to be generous with information. Mm. When you're generous with information, you help people make the right decisions mm. in their lives. And that's the most important thing. Um, so it, it happened organically, right? Mm. Um, it happened after I started sharing uh, my pregnancy journey mm. because it was quite tumultuous. And then I started to realize that, oh, okay, that people need support because I started becoming inundated with DMs. I mean, if I could show you my DMs now, it's crazy. <laughs> but look, I get so many DMs on the daily and it's women asking me, hey, Dr. Kaz, what do I give my child for this? Dr. Kaz, my baby has a rash, you know, like every day, you know. And then because I was, I was sharing about my pregnancy, so many people who had shared a similar experience who needed support were now coming into my DMs and mm. it showed me that we need support and it's not just an isolated need that I had. It's mm. shared need, you know? Um, and that's how it happened. And me sharing information was just me sharing, you know, I'm an oversharer as some people could say, cause I was oversharing about my own personal experience. And then through that, I was teaching myself by teaching others. Mm. So any, any learning curve that I had to go through, I would do research on it and I'd be like, shoot, I have all this information. Let me just share it with other people. Maybe someone even might help someone else, you know? Mm. And then it became a thing of like, okay, now people are requesting things like, oh, Dr. Katz, can you please just speak about C-section? I'm like, okay, cool. I have time. Let me do, let me do that. Oh, can we do this? Okay. You know? And it literally formalized itself. Yeah. And then I just had to create a name. And I loved the fact that um, I love Clueless Moms. And the reason why I chose that name or that phrase is because I feel like people want to be clued up and they want to know everything and they want to be perfect. And motherhood will teach you that you'll never be perfect. <laughs> and, but that's great. That's what your child wants. Your child wants you. You're the best thing for your child, right? Um, but it's okay to be clueless because when you're clueless and you, you accept that you're clueless, you want to get clued up. And the actual point of Clueless Moms are people that want to go out there and research mm. and do what is necessary to inform their decisions, their yes. parents' decisions, right? And also, I wanted to kind of abate mom guilt and try go away from mom shaming, mm. where it's just like, um, so, because if I call myself Clueless, you can't shame me for anything. What are you going to shame me for? I already said, so yeah. Oh, I said I'm clueless. <laughs> you know I mean, uh, what are you going to say now? Yeah. yeah. You know? So that's how it came about. And it's been a fantastic, fantastic platform. I have a WhatsApp group. Um, they, they're busy talking the whole day. I mean, if if you had networking here, I'd show you. No, literally, they talk the whole day. They're talking the whole day. We have like 151 moms in there. And they have so much to share with each other. And they, they have so much support to show one another. So clueless moms, not because I'm... I'm I'm a doctor, by the way. And it's not because I'm a mother. You know, I'm still a new mom. I'm learning a lot of things. It's because I'm willing to share. And the people that are in there are people who also want to share their mm. journey or who are willing to open up themselves to have information shared with them. You know, because mm. that's the biggest thing, right? Because, mm. um, I mean, everyone thinks pregnancy should be so sacred that you need to isolate yourself. It's very isolating already. You know, motherhood is very isolating. I can, I can imagine now during COVID even. Exactly. So much worse. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you mean, mm. you, you watch, an, you watch an American shows, you know how they always have like these mom groups? 
Yes. You've yes. Seen that, right? yes. Even working mom. Yes. I love, I love that show. <laughs> There's a reason why those things exist, yeah. but because of our, also our African ways, we have isolated ourselves quite mm. a lot. And in fact, sometimes you could be doing something that is really unhealthy for your child. It's not that you want to do that, right? I'll never ever blame mom for doing anything for the child, even if it harms the child. I know it's, it was never their intention, but it's because you didn't know. Mm. And it's because you are being led by old wives' tales or you're being led by someone else's fears, you know? Mm. We live in a different time, by the way, but people don't also understand, like, you know, feeding babies, right? I don't know if you know about this, solids. When do you think we should start solids? Oh my gosh, guys. I, I've never been, I've, I've barely held a baby in my life. Okay, but <laughs> okay, maybe just a ballpark. Like, one? One At the age of, no, year. No, you start like... early. No, no, you start earlier than that. You see, you see, so, okay, so in African homes, Children actually get started on feeds in one week. And that's too much. Yes, in one week. No, I was like one year because I'm like, can you, can you just take it easy on the child? <laughs> yeah, one week. Yeah. One week, you get porridge. You've seen, man, you've seen those pictures where someone's being force-fed food, babies are being force-fed food with their hands. Okay. With their hands, yes. right? Yes. I also know I got fed at seven days. I keep getting reminded about that because of when I wanted to feed me, <laughs> right? But um, even pediatricians will tell you now, the things that we used to get also back then, like we might be fine, right? You might have grown up very well. Yes, you started eating at a very young age. But the foods that we now eat are too processed. Mm, it's not the same. So it's not the same as back yeah. then, you know? We might be fine, but you don't know what how you're affecting your child. Mm. Right? You don't. And guys, breast milk really is enough. Mom gets shocked every day. Like, oh my God, your baby's so big. I'm like, yeah, breast milk is enough. <laughs> you don't need to feed them, you know? So things like that, where because we get isolated and we don't want to speak because, oh, it's so sacred. Oh, mm. gosh, 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 don't talk about this. I mean, there's some things I can accept that are sacred, but let's be more open in speaking about these things because you then will make the correct decision and yeah. the healthy decision for you, for yourself also and for your child. Yeah. And that's how Clueless Mom, and that's why Clueless Mom exists. It's woman. Millennial moms who are tired of being governed by old wives' tales and who are tired of feeling like they should know everything, mm. but they are willing to do the research to know something. You know, I always say, you know, life will be daunting for everyone, but never for the clueless mom. Nope, nope, nope. Not if I'm around. I'll never allow that. That's so beautiful. I'm, I'm passionate about moms. I love that. Like, passionate about moms. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so where do you see Kaz? I mean, you are Kaz the doctor, Kaz the makeup artist. Kaz the mom, Kaz the founder of Clueless Moms, like, oh, I love how you, oh my gosh, I actually, wait, I just want to mention this, because, I mean, people can't, can't see this, but when I said Kaz the mom, your face lit up even yeah, more no, than any it. of the other titles I mentioned. I love, I love being a mom, I, I'm obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. So, where do you see yourself, what is the vision for you and your life? Shucks, that's a hard one. I actually don't know, you know what, I, and I, I always tell people this, I don't have a five-year plan. And I don't want to have one. Yes. Yes. I struggle with anxiety. Mm -hmm. So if you struggle with anxiety, if you plan too much, it gives you too much anxiety. Mm -hmm. uh, because things will never go as planned. Life will always teach you that. I'm living and I'm just doing me. I never thought I'd ever do clueless moms. Mm. I didn't plan to do it. It happened. Mm. And all I want to do, um, the only thing I want to, I want to um, um, stick to is being happy. Mm. So I'm not chasing happiness. I don't believe in chasing happiness. I have a big thing about that. I don't think you should ever chase happiness. You're actually living in happiness right now. You are content right now. People don't realize that. It's because so much of the time we, we're, we're looking at the thorns instead of smelling the roses. So you don't realize. You're actually very content right now. So all I want to do is just keep staying in moments that I can smell roses. And just keep being happy and keep being healthy. But more than anything, I think my my lifelong goal is to raise a child that is happy mm. number one a child that is healthy a child that can speak to me that we have good communication um a child that is willing to explore more a child that is willing to be confident and go out there in the world and have so much more and i want to i want to do enough for her that i don't stifle her because of the fact that I didn't do enough in my life mm. to prepare her for life. Do you, do, do, do you understand what I mean? I do. So if she says, Mom, I want to be a rapper, I don't want to say, Ah, you can't be because I really know that I'm struggling financially and I'm just wondering how she's going to be. You know, because I understand that fear. You know, I, I want her to 
have as many opportunities as I feel my my parents gave me. My parents did a flipping good job. So if I could be anything like them, mm. even half, then I'm good. That's what I'm more interested in. In terms of career, ah, I'm literally going to let it unfold. I'm not going to plan. I know for a lot of people, it's like, oh, why aren't you planning? I don't want to plan. I don't want to plan. I'll get there. I'll get there. My mind is very brilliant. It comes up with things all the time. I'll get there when I need to get there. Thank you for saying that because I've interviewed a lot of women on this podcast mm. and I've spoken to people in general and I actually relate so much to that about yeah. my career as well. Um, I don't have a five-year plan. Dude, if you ask me what I want to do in two years time in my career, I can't tell you the other day. Yeah, I don't know if I'm playing this name, but like the other day I had to like meet with my one of my team leaders and they were like, what are your goals? And I was like, oh, (laughs) can't I just be, I actually remember in that moment, I was like, can't I just be in this moment? (laughs) Yes, my goal is to live now. (laughs) I'm I'm good at what I do. Can I just be this? Exactly. And we'll see where it takes me. I'm sick and tired. And I had to come up with goals. Oh my gosh. Like that, this happened so recently. I'm so glad you said that. I love it. Look, I understand. People want you to strive for more. (laughs) And we're different. You don't become idle, right? Yeah. I don't want you to become yes. idols. And that's fair, right? Yeah. But even for mental health, it, 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 it makes you struggle, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, for your mental health. You don't have to go through a mental con- mental health condition for you to even struggle with this. Just as uh, not even having one, you know? But it's just too much. As you say, I want to live in the moment. Why, when I get there, I'm immediately thinking I need to be somewhere else? I've been working so hard to get here. Yo. Why am I not living in here? <laughs> That's where I want to live. I want to be. So right now, for me, I want to be with my kid. I'm happy right now. Yeah. I'm doing what I'm doing. I don't know where it's going to take me. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going to go. A lot of people ask me, oh, can of you want special? I'm like, I don't know. Right now, <laughs> to be honest, if you ask me today... I don't want to specialize, but if you ask me tomorrow, I might want to specialize. You might want to specialize, and that's um, okay. Yeah, and people have a problem with with the fact that I always change my mind. You know, mm. like my friend, I think always calls me out on the fact, like she's like, "Oh, but you said you're never gonna post me out, but now you're always posting her." I'm like, "Yeah, I changed my mind, and I'm allowed to change my you're mind. You're allowed to change your mind, and I'm gonna change my mind yes. about a lot of things. I'm quite indecisive. It might make me look like a hypocrite." <laughs> Yeah, it might make me look like a hypocrite. Great. I am going to be a hypocrite on some days. You yeah. Know? Um, that is going to happen. I'm not always going to be... I'm not always going to be certain about my next step. But if you push, force me into a corner to make a decision about my next step, then I'll tell you something just to tell you something. Mm. But I don't really know because I might get there and be like, mm, actually, I don't want to do that anymore. And that's what it is for me. I'm not making any plans, guys. To be quite honest with you, <laughs> I just... I want to make enough money to survive and I can make that money. I mm. know I'm... I, I really believe God gave me a brilliant mind. There's a lot of opportunities out there. I know I'll, I'll grab them when I need to grab them. Right now, I'm not making any plans. There's a quote that says, I'm completely paraphrasing it. I actually forgot what the full quote says, but yeah. it says something along the lines of, don't hold yourself hostage to the person you were, to the decisions you made, Great. to the mistakes that you made in the past. And Great. what I love about that quote is like, it's what you're saying. Like You're allowed to change your mind. Don't hold yourself hostage because I said... I am this thing. Now yeah. you're holding yourself to no. only ever be that thing. You are allowed to change your mind. You're allowed to grow and expand and be exactly. more or be less, whatever it is. Exactly. You don't allow- hold yourself yes. hostage to that. Like right now, I could be like as open as ever with Nia, and maybe in a month's time, I could decide that no, <laughs> I'm done with this. Post her again. <laughs> yes. That is life, and it, yeah. it is what it is. I love that. I love that you said that. Don't keep yourself hostage because of the decisions you made in your previous self. Mm. Yeah, because you won't grow. No, I, I'm so glad you and I aligned with that. I'm not making plans. And people always want to talk about what you're going to do tomorrow. Hey, I'm living in today. What am I doing yeah. today? You know? And let me tell you, even the wording for that question, I chose it very specifically because I don't want to ask you, what are your goals? What are your... Don't it's about what's a vision, like... What do you want for yourself? It's, it's, it's yes, more about what vision. do you want? What's yeah. your vision for your life? Like, how do you see yourself? It's not necessarily what career do you want to be in? No. What job title do you want to have? It's like, what do you see for yourself, for your existence? Yeah. Just you Happiness. Know. Yeah. Healthy. I just, I, I literally, I, I, I am right now fantasizing about a vision of me and Nia yes. and Dumelo at a beach house. You know, it, it doesn't even need to be out. <laughs> yeah. We're at a beach house and we've got our toes in the sand. And yeah. that's all. And it's, it's a nice Sunday. Mm. And, and I'm maybe going to have a glass of wine. Maybe we're going, we're going to make some chicken, you know. That's <laughs> well, that's what I'm thinking of. And those are things that I envision. I don't envision, yo, Katla's going to be CEO. I don't care about that stuff. <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, so 
Um, oh my gosh, I'm like looking at the time. Okay, now I have one more question to go. Yes. Right? And I'm going to ask you this question because it's my favorite question. Are you like looking for the time on my screen? Yes. Guys, I wish you could see it. She's like, where are you seeing the time? Don't I worry. don't see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's over here. <laughs> okay. okay, yeah. Yeah, well, I have one more question that I love to ask on the podcast. It's my favorite question. Yeah. And the reason I ask this question is because it comes from my favorite quote, which okay. says, I love quotes. <laughs> Be who you needed when you were younger. That's my oh. favorite quote ever. Oh, I love that. And the thing with that quote is that um, as much as, and with the question I'm going to ask you, as much as we can never go back and change what happened to us, but if you, when you were younger, if there was someone that you wish you could have heard from or something that you wish you could have heard when you were younger, there's probably a little girl out there that needs to hear the same thing today. So it's not about changing what has happened. It's about giving that message. So tell me, if you could go back in time and talk to younger Katejo, I would what say, would you say to I her? would say live in the moment. It's, I know we just spoke about it now, but literally that is what I would say because I don't know how many times I sit and I look at Nia and I'm like, shoot, I'm so jealous of the fact that you have a chance at life. And I, mm. I, pray, I pray to God I don't try to live vicariously through her. I pray to God I, I don't try to push her into certain things because I felt like I didn't do these things. You mm. know? Um, I was always looking for tomorrow. I was always looking to just move and move and move and move and, you know, and then I fell into the adulting scam that it is. It's a scam. <laughs> uh, but besides that, uh, on a serious note, I was never content in living in what I was going through. And so, so much so that now I look back and my heart gets sore. When I look at times where I was like, shucks, I was just so happy there. I look at pictures, I'm like, I was so happy here. But I remember on this day, I was busy thinking about what I want to do in the year or all these things. And I wasn't living in this moment. Now that I'm here in the year that I was hoping that would, would change my circumstances, mm. I'm actually hoping to go back there, you know, mm. live in the moment that you're in. And the reason why I watched this movie, the man, I hated it, but I loved it. So everyone needs to watch that movie. I really feel it. Oh, I don't watch it. I haven't watched it yet. You need to watch it. You're going to be a little bit confused why they did it that way. It's not for children. It's, it is an animated movie, but it's not for children. And in that movie, it's it's someone who dies, right? Dies when they're just about to, um, about to get the their biggest break, right? They've been trying for for years. So let's say, like you with your podcast, right? Maybe it's not where you wanted to be, and then someone calls you from Google or whatever, and they say, "We're going to put your podcast on every streaming site mm. and all that stuff," and you get so excited, and that's what you've been working towards, and he dies, literally just the day before that, right? And then he, he, he becomes a soul, and that's why it's called soul, whatever. But then at some point, because he doesn't want to go to heaven, he becomes a lost soul. So he tries to fight his way, mm. and, and he tries to find his way back to earth. And he keeps telling them, guys, I need to live. I need to go back to earth. And in this realm where he's with other souls, whatever, there's a little soul that never wanted to enter earth. So there's a soul that was supposed to enter earth. But to enter earth, you need to find something that will be your passion. That's how you can enter Earth. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't find anything that she's passionate about. So she never wants to enter Earth. And it's been years, 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 and years, and years, and years. They've been trying to get this little soul to get into Earth. And then he comes because he has the, an idea of what Earth is. He's like, why would you never want to come to Earth? Okay, fine. Give me your soul. Let me go back to mm. Earth, you know? And whatever. Somehow they do find their way back to Earth. But I don't know. Um, she finds herself in her in his body you know mm. and yeah so he comes back to life and she finds himself in his body and everything for her is amazing she eats pizza and whatever and she looks at an autumn leaf and it falls and all of this all of these things and she but then she realized that he's so obsessed with this great moment he's living for this great moment and she gets a little bit angry and basically the the idea of the movie is to tell you that you keep looking for a great moment but you don't realize that you're actually living in it. You're in it. Yeah. And then he says this amazing, amazing story, right? He says there's a little, there's a little fish in the ocean, right? It, it, it's swimming. It's swimming, swimming, swimming. It gets to a bigger fish. He says, hey, 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 I'm looking for the ocean. And then the fish is like, you're in it. Like, no, no, no. Man, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm looking for the ocean. They said it's this amazing, grand, big thing. It's this cool, amazing thing. And then the big fish keeps saying, you're living Literally in, it. in it. yeah. And how many times have we lived in moments and we've never fully immersed ourselves in them because we're so obsessed with a greater moment. Mm. So that for me, really, 
it, it changed my mind. It changed my life. I was so obsessed with it. I tell everyone about this quote all the time. So maybe if there's more podcasts, I'm talking about this quote all the time. Because <laughs> I want people to understand this. I promise you to God, you're living in that moment. I don't want you to suffer a death. COVID has also shown us this. I don't want you to suffer a death or suffer any type of loss and think to yourself, shucks, I wish I enjoyed this thing when I still had it. Mm. Enjoy the people that you're with right now. Enjoy the things that you're doing. Accept yourself for who you are. Your body is at its best right now. It could have been better, whatever, but it is at its best. It's what you have. Mm. Remember, what you have is the best of what you have, right? You can't go back, right? Mm. You can't go forward. So what you have is the best of what you have. That's life. That's how life works. What you have in this moment is the best of the best. The choice you make right now is the best choice you could have made because you didn't make another one. Mm. That is the choice, right? So live in it. Immerse yourself in the choices that you make, even mm. if it's a mistake. Live in it. So that's what I'll say to a child. Wow. Yeah, live. Amazing, right? Um, amazing. Right? I, I, I love that movie. You guys need to watch that I movie. I mean, we hear what you said. It's not the first time I hear that. We've yeah. heard that before, but the way you just put it has you just thought me has, has made me think of it in such a different light. Exactly. And I think you understand it because you suffer with anxiety. Yes. When you suffer with anxiety, because anxiety keeps telling you <laughs> That things can be better. Things should be better. Things yeah. should be more perfect. It it steals the beauty of life from you mm. in the little things. The fact that literally your candle flickers in a certain way and there's when mm. we don't realize this. But when we go through loss, we think, shucks, there was a time I was just so happy. Live now. I, that's all I want to say to anyone. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. Right? What a perfect way to wrap up this podcast. I love, I love it. I love speaking to you. I've shared so much with oh you. You're gosh. amazing. Um, before we before we actually close close, how can the listeners follow you? Um, follow your your any of your pages or anything oh, like that? Yes. Okay, sure. So you can follow me on Instagram at Dr K underscore Lekalakala, which is L E K A L A K A L A, um, or yeah, no, that's it. I don't need you to follow me on my on my uh, beauty page. Dr. K underscore Lakalakala is where I'm at most of the time on Instagram and I'm sharing so much. Yeah. Mm. And I prefer engaging with people there. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for having such an open heart and sharing so much of yourself with us today. It's because of the space that you you, you literally give. You, you made me want to speak. I've never shared actually a lot of the things oh, that I shared wow. with you. Never shared that. So, yeah, no, it was an amazing space. I'm happy. And just so you know, I put on a bold lip just for you because you do makeup. I have like an orangish red lip. Just, I can just just I for love you. it. I don't usually wear this. Yeah, I was actually shocked, but it suits you, hey? It's just for you. I'm like, it really suits you. Now. You actually should consider having a red lip for your wedding. It's actually so beautiful. <laughs>